0: Even podcasts, whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
1: The, the future of this team, guys like Miranda and Royce Lewis, who I talked to yesterday, and see him out there. Um, he's got the knee injury. They, they are built and fortified, of course, through the draft, Major League Baseball draft that comes up this Sunday. Everything has changed in, in, in Major League and Minor League baseball. Uh, so, too, perhaps the approach to the draft, because this is late in the year. It used to be back in, in, in early June when they'd have it, but uh, it's different the way they fortify their minor league teams. Sean Johnson's a man in charge of it for the Minnesota Twins uh, and director of scouting, uh, and he'll run the draft on, on Sunday for them. And he joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Sean, thank you for joining us.
2: Mike, thanks for having me.
1: What is this week like, man? So, so, so I, I don't know that people really understand, Sean, that, that, that Major League Baseball draft is different than any other draft because it's not just about picking the top players, it's about the signability of those players because it does you no good to take a first round uh pick who you can't sign. So 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 it's this allotment of money that you try to fill the gaps with, but you gotta know going in, not just who the best players are, but who's the most signable, correct?
2: Yeah, you always start with talent, and then you want to make sure at the end of the day that you can actually sign the player that you select. So we lean on a lot of people, mainly our area scouts, um, who do a great job of getting to know these players over the course of the year and making sure that they're inclined to sign, and, and that's what they plan to do once we take them.
1: What do you remember about Royce Lewis when it came down to making that pick? And uh, just thinking about him, watching him, you know, he's been injured, but we, we see what he's got and, and and the talent tool and the pool that he draws from. What do you remember about, about chronicling him and making the decision on him?
2: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, when it was right before the time to pick Royce, we, you know, he was just a kid that we believed in. We obviously, the ability was there and the athleticism. I'm just glad that. Our fans got to see him just for that short window of time, but uh, they were able to see what we saw in him, um, the athleticism, the ability to sit, play it short, um, just a dynamic athlete with tools. But we loved Royce Lewis as a person, as a human being, his motivation to play the game. Uh, all those things were there, and picking one, you know, you need to be able to handle that, uh, be in that high of a selection. So he, we knew that the way he was made up, uh, as a person, and his drive to play the game that he could handle that, and I think he's done nothing but that since the day we signed him.
1: Do you remember the Buxton Carlos Correa year and what it was like to break down those two? Wow,
2: that was that was quite uh, a, a duo to pick from, and luckily mm-hmm. we didn't have to pick one and pick one over the other um, at the time. But we were certainly in love with both players. Uh, they were the discussion at the top of our board it was one and two and and it was really hard to choose Um, and they were just at different points in high school they were at different points in their their maturity and the projection and you know there was question marks with both some degree but not many they were both elite players and and I can still remember Each other, you know, the, the scouts staring at each other like, which way are we going to go here? And luckily we got to grab one, one or the other. And, and it's really like when we signed Carlos uh, earlier this year, it was uh, our scouts were ecstatic. It's like, could you dream that they'd both be on the same team? Mm -hmm. And it's happening. So. It was really a cool moment.
1: Now, they both have the tangibles, though, too, don't they? I mean, long and lean and athletic. And I don't know if this is true of all the all the position players that you draft, uh, but it seems like when you see a lot of these great players, you look at them and you go, you know what, they could do well in another sport as well. They've got that kind of ability and that, that kind of swagger. And and, and do, you, do you see that in position players, guys, that you go, you know what, maybe they're a three-sport athlete, maybe they're not, but you go, he'd be a really good wide receiver, too, because they're just that gifted?
2: Yeah, you you come across those guys. They're not every year, and you know, my you might go a couple years before you come across a guy like I'm thinking, like Jameis Winston, who was a good you know baseball player at Florida State. He could do anything he wanted to. Uh, there's always those guys that are really just elite at both sports, or maybe more than two, and they're impressive when you get to be around them. And it's a, a big reason why we love our scout, our jobs as scouts is to be up close and get to know these kids who are just you know freak athletes. That are just so gifted in so many things, and 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 it's the thing that you can't you can't wait to get to the ballpark and see him play.
1: You you know, Sean, things have changed in in minor league baseball, the draft, everything else. For number one, uh, the number of minor league players franchising is independent baseball uh, taking a bigger piece as well and a bigger lean on. What, what, the last couple of years, there was one year, you know, no minor league baseball, the COVID year, and guys just had to work out unless they are invited to the uh, taxi squad team. How has it changed? Because you, you've got, uh, you know, guys got backed up, et cetera, and, and how is, is, does that have an effect on the draft at all?
2: It doesn't really affect what we do on the front end. It's more of a development thing that, uh, you know, our guys have been behind on innings and at bats, the development piece. Think about Royce, for example, who You know, had a shortened COVID year, and then there was an injury. So he missed, you know, essentially two years of development. Um, So it's really great to see him get to the big leagues so quick, um, despite really not having a a bunch of minor league full seasons under his belt. So a tribute to Royce and his ability and and his determination to to get to the big leagues. Uh,
1: This draft this year looks like what to you? Do do you you give it kind of a general feel on it? it? Is it deep? Is it high end? What is it?
2: Um, I, I don't think it's like a high-end draft as far as depth across the first round. I think the big, the reason why it's not is the amount of college pitching that's on the on our board as it sits right now across the industry. I think you'll see. There's a good chance you're going to get past the number ten, eleven, twelve. Those those might all be position players that are drafted. Yeah. Um, there might be a pitcher sneak into there, but uh, college pitchers usually drive the first round and. Um, most of those guys either are hurt, are coming back from injury, um, or may have broken down during the year. So um, there's a lot of players we're trying to put together on our board that have incomplete resumes, if you will. And so you're trying to make sense of what this pitcher would have done if he pitched a whole year uh. or what he would do coming back from an injury. So there's more question marks than surefire talents that are going to fill that first round.
1: You know, one of the guys that's going to go fairly early is, is, Drew Gilbert out of Stillwater. And, and he went to Tennessee and played. And, and I covered him in high school. And I remember, uh, MC in the, uh, Mr. Baseball banquet when he won it that day. Uh, you guys drafted him once as a pitcher and, and he was a pitcher in high school. And he, he was the, you know, the, he led him to a state championship his junior year. And I mean, I mean, he was lights out and he goes away and you go, okay, man, he's going to, you know, he'll amp it up another five miles an hour and, and maybe be high end by the time he dr- gets draft eligible again. Instead, he becomes a hitter. Uh, at Tennessee, not, not that he hadn't hit before, but that was not what was forecast for him. Uh, what can you say about him? And do you see that very often? Where you know, m- many times he ends up being a position player, goes, you know, tries it as a, they a strong arm, and they play, go to the bullpen or something. But but do you see that very often? Something like that?
2: You see a lot of guys that are two way players in high school that are, are gifted both ways, and you know, it's hard to tell which way they're going to go if it's on the mound or, or with the bat. And uh, But a guy like Drew, I mean, if, for people who haven't seen him visually uh, lately, I've seen, I saw Tennessee play a handful of times this year. They had an amazing team. He doesn't look like the Drew Gilbert you saw. in No, high school. he like, doesn't. He's, a, he's physical. He's strong. He's, he's gotten faster. Um, he may play center field in the big league. So um, he's one of the better hitters on the board. And, you know, he had a great year this year. And I think he's certainly going to go on the first day of the draft. Um, on night one on Sunday.
1: Uh, you know, the, the the interesting thing to me is, how do you do that? And how, how do you just turn it and go, okay, I'm going to focus on being a really good hitter right now? Is, is he just that gifted or is it the fact that he's been around baseball so much he feels the game well because he pitches? Because that is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do is to be a good enough hitter to go on day one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I obviously can't speak for him, but I think there's some, at some point he went down the road of, okay, instead of trying to do both, I'm going to focus on this. And it turned out to be hitting. So he's trained his body in a different way. Uh, Again, he's so physical now, but he's, he's been able to keep his speed and his foot speed and, and, uh, his swings really come on. So I remember seeing him with the USA group last summer. Um, it was surprising how, how much more physical he was. And then I saw him, I think in March in the Minimate tournament down at Houston. And I'm like, is that Drew
1: Gilbert? You know, he's really <laughs> Yeah, you. I do know what you mean. He was so
2: you know, he was just so jacked, you know, and you, you couldn't even believe it. So he's had a great year. I think this you know, he's he's got a chance to be a big leaguer and um again he's had a he's had an awesome year.
1: You know, um the when when you you know you look at those players and now you're seeing this this rap speed and all the stuff that they're doing in the off season is is it often that you see an 18 year old that throws you know 87 miles an hour and he's kind of on your watch list and by the time he's draft eligible at 21 with all that they're doing now in the off season uh, that he's throwing 95 96 something like that D- does that happen more frequently now and does it surprise you ever?
2: Yeah, I mean it's. It's amazing how much velocity is across the country at at every level. You know, we have, you could be a high school player, pitcher, and throw 95, and we may not, we might have a draft tag for you, but not a, it doesn't make you a high pick.
1: I know, it's, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You go to the,
2: yeah, the SEC, the ACC, the bigger power fives. I mean, there's guys rolling out of the bullpen, throwing 95 and 6 and 7 with hard sliders and, that's just every weekend in the SEC, and that's why it's the toughest conference. So um velocity's everywhere. <clears throat> it's not really the separator anymore because everybody throws hard. Just like in the big leagues, everyone's throwing hard, you know, you see more guys throwing a hundred than you did ten years ago. So uh velocity is certainly on the uptick across America and at every level and it's just another Another piece to the puzzle here um, when we start drafting
1: pitchers. Last question. What do you remember about Jose Miranda when he was a prospect? We saw him hit the walk-off today.
2: Tell you what, I, I give our room a lot of credit, the guys that see him. I, I did not see him a lot. He was in Puerto Rico, and at the time I was up on the West Coast supervising. But I can tell you that we believed in his bat more than the rest of the industry. Uh, we did a job, a great job of picking him out, knowing who, knowing the player, at a really deep level, and and believed that he could be a hitter, and and uh, so that was end up being a great pick, and and it's no surprise to any of the guys in our room that that scouted him back in high school. They were they were always in. We were excited to get him in the draft, and obviously cool to see him have a walk off winner today is really gratifying for that mm-hmm. group of guys who, who who saw him play back in high school.
1: Sean, appreciate it very much. I know you've got to get back to arguing with those scouts about who you're going to take, but appreciate right. your time very much tonight. We'll catch up with you after the pick on Sunday.
2: Sounds good. Always a pleasure.
1: You bet. Sean Johnson from the Minnesota Twins. You talk about a tough, and exact science.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?